The king who owned this island, said Caspian slowly, and his face flushed as he spoke, would soon be the richest of all kings of the world. I claim this land forever as a Narnian possession. It shall be called Goldwater Island, and I bind all of you to secrecy. No one must know of this, not even Drinian, on pain of death. Do you hear? Welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast, where we are doing a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. I'm Chase. And I'm Kel. Thank you for joining us. Just a reminder that today we are talking about the fifth book in the series, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. But general spoiler warning for the whole Narnia series, as well as a heads up that we do go on tangents into other stories we enjoy. We'll do our best to give spoiler warnings along the way if there's anything too far out there. But today we're discussing The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, Chapter 8, Two Narrow Escapes. Two of them, Kel. Two of them. Two Two narrow escapes. Arguably, you could have, you know, made these two different episodes, but it's fine. Let's just cram it in, I guess. Uh, but Chase, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit us with a summary. Everyone, they were cheerful as they sailed away from Dragon Island. First, they sailed to an island that they had seen while flying with Eusis, but they found only rabbits, sheep, and the remains of burnt-out huts that suggested there were once people there. But we're just going to avoid that and just keep moving on. They also found a small, uh, they found a small boat with a paddle that was just the right size for reaping sheep. Um, and so they kept it. Wonder if that's going to come into play later. That's a uh, Chekhov's boat. Uh, they left and named that place Burnt Island. Really good, clever naming they got here. Um, after a few more boring days of sailing, they saw some shapes out in the distance, but They appeared to be moving and disappearing and reappearing and getting closer. And suddenly, bam, a great head with terrifying eyes rose out of the water. And it was a great sea serpent. Serpent rose over and around the boat until its body was an arch over the middle and began to close towards the deck. Eustace ran up and tried to stab it with a sword, which accomplished nothing besides breaking the second best sword in the whole boat. But Reepicheek yelled out not to fight, but to push, which is, you know, odd because it's Reepicheek. They all ran and pushed the body of the beast toward the back of the boat, towards the great carved stern. Uh, Lucy fetched an ax to cut away the piece, uh, but before they could hack at it, the beast closed its grip, breaking off part of the stern and launching the boat forward. Lucy swore afterwards that she saw a a look of stupid satisfaction on the creature's face, thinking it had crushed the ship ship, and it did not pursue uh, them as it had thought they had sank down. They had good wind from there, and after another four days, they spotted land in the distance. They rode toward it and anchored in a natural harbor that night. The next morning, they prepared to go into shore, and Drinian wanted to go to the stream that was closest, but Edmund and Eustace insisted on going to the stream near the trees for shelter because it was going to rain. As they filled up their water barrels, they climbed up and discovered that it was not a large island, only like 20 acres or so, and they looked out over the vast sea in front of them. Lucy didn't want to go back the same way they came, but instead asked if they could go to the source of the second stream and make their way back. They found a deep little mountain lake and sat down by it, but Edmund quickly leaped up. He had sat on a rusted sword, which, good thing he had gotten his tetanus shot, I guess, and upon investigation found a mill uh, shirt and armor, all Narnian. They figured it was likely one of the seven lords, but couldn't figure out what had happened since there were no bones. If it had been a hot day, they might have been tempted to bathe in the water or even take a drink. But thank goodness they didn't, because as Eustace was about to bend down to scoop up some water, uh, when Reepicheep and Lucy spotted at the bottom of the pool, a life-size figure of a man made of gold. Wow, that's probably a really expensive statue. They wondered if they could get it out or die for it, but if it was really gold, it would be really heavy. So Edmund suggested maybe they could test how deep the water was with his hunting spear. But as soon as he submerged the spear, it became very heavy and turned the same color as gold, which probably is just a coincidence. And he dropped it because it was so heavy. Edmund suddenly shouted out to get back from the water. The toes of Edmund's boots had turned to gold as well as they had all realized that the water turned things to gold and that the man at the bottom was not a statue at all. And rather than sit at the, uh, you know, the grim realization of that, we're just going to move past it and go to a, you know, a story about greed. Uh, Caspian tested it with a bushel of heather and drew out a perfect gold model of the grain, heavy and soft as lead. Caspian said that the king of this island would be the richest in the world and declared it under the rulership of Narnia, swearing them all to secrecy on penalty of death, not even to tell the boat captain, Drinian. Edmund said he was not Caspian's subject and that if Caspian was subject to the high king, Peter. 
They began to square up as if it would become a fight when they all looked up and saw him standing on the hill, shining although the sun was behind the clouds, as if he was the source of light and that he was the largest lion they had ever seen, maybe the size of an elephant or at least the size of a, heart, of a cart pulling a horse. Who knows? Uh, no one had saw how or where he went. But when he was gone, they realized that, well, what were we just talking about, Chase? They were, what were we fighting over? Reaper Chief said there was a curse on that place and that they were once going to name the island Goldwater. They now decided to call it Death Water. When they didn't, when they did get back to the boat, they did not, they didn't have much to tell since the whole experience had been, it seemed, they seemed to be bewitched and shaken them and they couldn't remember what exactly was up there. And all the crew seemed to take away all uh, that they found was the body of one of the lords that they'd been looking for. Damn. So that dude's just, just sank. So you just had a graphic and horrible, torturous death being turned to gold. Also, like, I know the test of this island is, like, greed and gold and all this stuff, but, like, seems like dude was just trying to take a bath. Yeah, really sucks for this guy, because if there's nothing else in the pool, like, I feel like they should have mentioned, like... That this that there was you know golden cups or golden jewelry or other things in there. I was like, wow, that stuff's really great. And he you know dove in to get the golden things and then turned gold himself. Because I think even like the rocks on the bottom are not gold, so it's just like he was just like innocently trying. Just sucks to suck for him. Cool off, yeah. I kind of wish they had made it more of a greed thing for him as well. I mean, as far as we're aware, he just died. He he's just gone. Yeah. Uh, but you know what else? Uh, what we don't even know his name. So we're not going to spend any time with it because C.S. Lewis doesn't either. Uh, but they uh, make their way to a the first little island, uh, which is it, like it's like one of those things. It literally doesn't even matter what is on this island, except for the fact that they get this tiny little boat for Reaper Cheap. Yeah, the point of this island is what was left there by the conspicuously gone inhabitants of this island. Which probably were dwarfs or some sort of small people because it's a boat that Reaper Cheap can sail. Yeah. Did, Did Octesian, did the lord that was the dragon before Eustace... Just come Murder and eat these people? <laughs> <laughs> they might have because everything's burnt to a crisp, Chase. Uh, but not the rabbits or, or, or sheep. Not this boat, thank goodness. Chekhov's boat is safe uh, and we'll see if Reepicheep uses it at any point later. It's really uh, too soon to tell, Cal. Too soon to tell. This might just be a random boat that they take as, a, as an item in their satchel and then never look at again. Could be. You know what else they're not going to look at again? This island, because they immediately sail away from it after a half of a page. Uh, yeah, it's almost like it was an unimportant plot device that could have been done differently. Could have uh, could have found this boat literally at the island that you were just at for three chapters. Don't worry about it. Just do the Earth Island. Um, but, Chase, the important thing is they all tumbled up to the poop. Uh, tumbled up? They tumbled up the poop. Um, and they whooped and scoop pooped and saw a bunch of rocks, but those can't be rocks because they're moving chase and they're disappearing and reappearing and, and they're getting closer and no one ever likes it when anything is getting closer to you and you don't know what it is, whether that's on sea or on land and chase, wouldn't you believe it? It was a sea serpent. It was a great sea monster. Crazy. It's almost like C.S. Lewis looked at an old map and was like, what if that thing was here? There be monsters in these waters. If you say so. I do. Because not, not a very, like for how fast it gets to them, the speed with which it tries to murder them, real slow, very slow the, motion. The speed for which it tries to murder them, very slow. And the fact that it does not see them sailing away slash chases after them because it would have caught them. Yeah. Yeah. It. Like, we almost didn't need this. <laughs> like, make this kind of just longer, there to be there. Make this a longer or more dramatic scene because what happens is 
They see the, the sea serpent rises out of the water and it's showing its head like a snake, you know, coiling back and forth. I'm doing this, I'm gesturing for Chase, but no one listening yes. can see this. And yes. then the sea serpent the sea serpent is a sock puppet right now. Yes. Uh and it it arches its way over the boat and begins to loop around. And no one thinks, yes, this sea serpent is clearly trying to wrap its way around the boat. It just, for whatever reason, draped its body around the boat. Um, oh, that's weird. That's weird. And the uh, surprisingly, the person who um, you know takes action, Eustace, uh, though it is a useless action from Eustace, he at least does something. Uh, and he runs up and tries to stab uh, the, the sea serpent with his sword that Caspian has given him. And all it does is break the sword. And we, you know, get a little aside from C.S. Lewis that the only thing he accomplished was that it broke Caspian's second best sword <laughs> into bits, which I just think is a funny little aside. Like, why mention this? Because, uh, like, it, we already know that it looks stupid because the sword broke. You don't have to make him feel even worse because it's Caspian's second best sword. Uh, but he tries to do something and it doesn't work. And then Reepicheep, the, you know, the fighter out of everyone, says, don't fight but push. And this little two foot mouse tries to go and uh, push this uh, giant sea snake uh, off the boat because now he has come to the realization that we came to as soon as the, you know, like giant sea serpent moved across the bow. And anyone who's seen Pirates of the Caribbean can tell you he's trying to crush the boat. He's just trying to loop around it and squeeze it and break it. Yeah. But also like, if you were trying to loop around it, why not just like, hit it as you're like i feel like this is too precise yeah it doesn't make any sense and it's taking forever like he's a giant sea snake you're telling me like this like he just loops around like why is this not happening in seconds like because it's a video game and you need the timer for lucy to get the axe and run towards it and all all the people to push on time like i guess so it's all got to act in slow motion. As soon as basically like you see, you know, the, the giant sea serpent start to create its loop and start to crush and everyone runs up and starts pushing it and gets it to the back of the boat. And Lucy is, you know, ran to get an ax uh, to cut the, there's a giant part of the boat that's, you know, uh, looped up. It's the decorative part, but it's, it would prevent the sea serpent from moving off the boat uh she runs to get an axe but before and she gets one but before she can chop it off the sea serpent wraps itself around the decorative piece crushes it rips it off the boat and propels the boat forward and the it, we get this little like description from c.s lewis from lucy's point of view that this is a just a really dumb snake because it thought it sunk the whole boat even though it was wrapped around the whole boat and then all of a sudden wasn't and it's like, cool, job done. And he doesn't see the boat literally yeah. right next to him sailing. Because it, Lucy thinks it had a look of stupid satisfaction on its face. First off, as if you could recognize the expression of a fish's face. Not a, also it, like, it doesn't even have a nose, Chase. It's a giant sea serpent. It just went to look for the wreckage that obviously sank because it's, it's so good and so smart at its job. Also, like, wouldn't it quickly realize that that wreckage is not there? Yeah, but, you know, whatever. Uh, but it, they sail away because there was a, apparently a wind fast enough to carry them away from the speed of a giant sea serpent. Doubtful. But um, then everyone is excited and they're laughing about it. And, and they serve everyone some rum to have a good cheer. And they praise the valor of Eustace, even though he hadn't done anything worthwhile, and also of Reepicheep. The hero of this story is mentioned second. Come on. I mean, what can you do? He's just uh, if you're if you're Reepicheep everything, but get nothing rewarded from it. He, I mean, I appreciate that his size does not stop him from being of use in this situation. He is not useless, unlike Eustace. But true. He so 
again, we just get another time skip. And they're like, ah, another few days pass by. And then they uh, finally see another patch of island uh, or another island. And uh, Dridian's like, hey, there's two places to dock. There's one that's closer and one that's further away that has trees. Let's go to the one that's closer. And he starts going that way because he's a ship captain. And then uh, Caspian's like, no, it's going to rain. I don't like being wet. And it's like, well, you're on a boat, sire. And that's tough. But they it's, decide, yeah. It's funny because Cecilus goes out of his way to mention that sometimes Drinian got annoyed with all the land folks and like that he, really like in general, Drinian should be the one in charge here. Yeah. But also the whole point of this is that, man, if only Drinian had had known what they would have found, he'd realize how wrong he was. It's like, what 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 are you going for here? Like, what's the point of this? Well, the the whole thing of like, they're like, yeah, he would have regretted it. Would he? Like, I mean, he'd be a pile of gold. So it would he though? All that would have happened was they would have gone into the second harbor, made their way up, seen this pool of water, and had the same interaction. I think the idea is that if the stream is coming out of that lake, the stream would also turn things to gold. And so when they tried to fill up their, their barrels with water, they would have all like died. Mm. I think we don't know whether or not this second stream really does, does the stream the come from the lake. That's what it said. Mm, Cause the okay. lake is the source of that, that stream, the closer stream. Okay. I just don't know. We, we don't have any evidence saying that that's what would have happened. It's just kind of all implied. Sure. But, but it's not like you, like you mentioned with the rocks, it's not turning anything else gold. But maybe it only turns things gold that involve temptation because. I see. Why not? Yeah, that'll do it. But anyway, uh, they get annoyed at the, at these land folk and they decide, all right, I guess I'll change directions. Uh, and go towards the further one away so that we can get out of the rain because we don't like being wet on a boat surrounded by water. Uh, and so they make their way over and uh, they park the boat. Uh, they start filling up all the waters and everything or the, the barrels full of water. And they climb up to the top of this mountain. And and it turns out this is actually a really small island. Yeah. Like 20 acres or so you know a good plot of land for you know a random like farm but nothing nothing crazy for an island um and upscale water yeah we get this little aside about Eustace saying crazy you know sailing on and on into that with no idea what we may get to try like sounds like he's complaining but he says but he only said it out of habit not really nastily as he would have done at one time where it's like he's just this is like I guess C.S. Lewis's way of being like he's still kind of Eustace but he's getting better. He's still got his instincts, but he's not whining anymore. He's just observing. Yeah, just observing. Uh, but they like climb up, and Lucy's like, "Hey, let's go down this other direction to see what like is in this second stream of water." Uh, and they go to sit down, and ouch, Chase! I sat on a rusty sword. Yeah, that's uh not what you want to sit on. Sort of famously bad chairs. Also, you wouldn't see that. Like, just gonna let my Game of Thrones reference go on unnoticed. Oh, no, I, yeah, I, you just you go for it. Uh, no, that was all of it. Uh, yeah, they should have noticed it. It doesn't feel like it was buried. Yeah, almost it's, like there's uh, a whole suit of armor just laying there. Like, do you not look before you sit, Chase? Especially not when I sit on the ground. I just kind of let myself fall and see what happens. Yeah. What in the world? Like, how would you, like, this It's dumb. Uh, but luckily, I guess it didn't actually stab him all the way through. So he has to go to, a you know, the British consul and get a tetanus shot. Uh, yeah, like Lucy's uh, vial of magic potion. Probably healed. Essentially a tetanus shot. That's fair. Um but they're like, oh, look, a sword and uh, like a whole suit of armor and all these things. And wow, wouldn't you believe it, Chase? They are Narnian. I wonder if this is from one of our lords. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, you know, thank goodness that happened. 
Uh, and I like that they're like, well, there's no bones. So I guess it wasn't a fight. It's like, is that the only thing that would say whether or not it was a fight? They're like, there's no bones. So he, this makes no sense because who would rob someone of their bones, but not of their armor and their weaponry. Maybe a dragon got turned into a knight and Aslan had to undress him to turn him back into a dragon. Could be, could be. Uh, But uh, they're like, well, there's something, this is just weird. Um, Maybe it was an animal. And they're like, what animal like knows how to just cleanly take someone's shirt off and like not rip it open. It's weird that the animal folded it too. (laughs) Very considerate. It's strange. It's all in this neat pile with a note saying, be back later. Uh, But that's weird. Whatever. Just going to take a bath and a quick drink. Yeah. Uh, And so they, you know, walk away from it and they find Chase, this beautiful pool. Wow. Grayish blue stones and perfectly clear water. And wouldn't you believe it at the bottom of it? Just this giant gold statue of a man. That's weird. Yeah, it's weird that they made this statue face down and sunk it to the bottom of the lake. <laughs> In a diving <laughs> form. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he in a cannonball? That's strange. Is this a dude in the fetal position at the bottom of the lake? <laughs> he dove in here. And, and man, it's a, he's just speared into the ground. Uh, <laughs> that's weird. Sticking up at an angle. <laughs> his legs are just... <laughs> oh man but you know that's a weird statue to make Uh, i like that their first instinct is like we should get that statue out maybe he's praying i don't know uh but yeah let's like that's a lot of gold like yeah it is if we can like i like how the person just says we can die for it sire is reap he's back to being impulsive reap again which best reap um and Edmund's like, no, you're like, I, no one ever says it, but you got to imagine. He's like, bro, you're a mouse. <laughs> Man, hot takes. No one's willing to say it, but I will. This guy's a mouse. He can't <laughs> that. Like, how dare you, sir? Draw your blade. You're telling me that I have physical limitations. This is, this is ridiculous. I'm going to go guard the water. Uh, and. So they're like, no, we can't die for it. That's like 15 feet, and that's solid gold. Who's going to carry that up? Edmund the Wise coming in clutch here, preventing someone from a gruesome death. Um, Really by chance, because they kind of still consider it about diving for it. So Edmund's like, all right. touch the bottom, then. Let's let's test it with this spear. So he pulls out a spear, and wow, it's turning. Like I wonder if it's just the, the water that's gold, because... Even though it was translucent before, this spear is turning the same color as gold. That's crazy. Correct. And it's super heavy. Oh, no. I lost my grip. It sank to the bottom. Also, yeah. like, here's I like the how they still don't quite get it whenever he loses grip on the spear. Or, like, when the spear turns to gold. Like, here's my, my thing with that. Yes, a gold spear, like a solid gold spear, would be significantly heavier than a wooden spear. It wouldn't a, be so heavy that you can't hold it anymore. That's my thought, man. Especially in water, it's yeah. not like it's not like you're just holding it midair. Which still, in midair, a solid gold spear, you know, the like roughly the size of Edmund. You know, you got to imagine maybe a little taller. What maybe the size of a like maybe like like forty pounds? Yeah, and at that point, like. Only like half the spear would be gold when he loses grip on it. Right, exactly. So Edmund's just weak. Maybe Edmund's got little like whippy baby hands. Maybe Edmund and Eustace both need to hit the gym. They they might need to, man. They don't call him Edmund the Oat. They call him Edmund the Wise. Uh, And he's like, wow, this is heavier. So he's astute, at least. Uh, But the spear drops into the water. Uh, and they're like, huh, that's weird. And then Edmund's like, everyone get back. And because he's noticed that some water splashed onto the front of his boot. And, you know, the front of his boot is turning gold, but only the front, Chase. This is where it's like, yeah, the whole spear wouldn't have been gold. Just the... Just the... Just the, the, the top, Just the top half. Just the top half of the spear. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a, just the top. Um, that, but, that popular phrase. <laughs> but um, so his boot, uh, the front of his boot starts turning gold and it's heavy, but not his toes. Thank goodness. Uh, I guess these are thick enough shoes where, you now, know. That's why they call him Edmund Golden Toe now. <laughs> I mean, dude is an incredible soccer player. Uh, it's a, also a weird James Bond spinoff. Gold Toe. It doesn't really have as great of a rhyme scheme as Goldfinger. Yeah. But whatever. Oh, wow. Um, so he uh, he's like, wow, that water must turn things into gold. That is why my spear is so heavy. And oh, wait, that guy at the bottom, dot, dot, dot. Uh, and then they just keep going past it. <laughs> they're like, well, he probably, he probably just undressed on the top of the cliff, saw a lake, and dove in. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're basically like, yeah. This is probably one of our lords. Well, we should figure out how to use this water, right? Like, they just move past it real fast. Like, there is no morning. They're, they're about to go into this whole thing of, they, they address and solve this, like, fatal flaw of greed in, like, a page and a half. Yeah, it's a... Uh... The the thing with this dude, like he really seems fully innocent. The, or this guy, like, yeah. Again, he just kind of jumps in. Show he's other not, things in here that are gold. That like, oh, maybe he was jumping in to get something gold at the bottom of this pool. Yeah, the rocks at the bottom are all like rock colored. Like it says huh. that they're like bluish gray. Like he's the only golden thing they see in the lake. And this dude is just stuck in a jackknife position, uh, you know, at the bottom of the lake, trying to make a big splash. Uh, and now he's just gold. <laughs> just one leg tucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of other dive forms in a camp. So that was what I got. <laughs> <laughs> he's just tucked down, like with his head near his knees, holding it. He was going for an Olympic style dive. But couldn't rotate all the way around. Uh, so that's a bummer. It's but crazy like, how he landed on his neck. Like, I feel thematically like this would have been better if you see other golden things at the bottom of the pool so that, like, at least you're like, oh, he dove in because he was greedy. Like, yeah. And I think, again, this is a janky scene in the movie, but at least there are other golden objects in the little pool. Yeah, it fully feels like this dude died for no reason other no than bad luck. It's just a bummer, right? Because like, uh, which like, if Aslan is willing to show up to like stop them from like getting in a tiff, yeah, but he's not willing to stop this dude from dying. Because Lord Octomom was like he he at least like had dragon creed, and that's why he turned into a dragon. Oh. Uh, you, you probably right, and then you have. Uh, the what's the other lord they that they rescued earlier in the book? The one who is now governor of that island that is yeah. no longer holding democratic he elections. He, yeah, he stayed because he was too afraid to go further. Like they all have these flaws with them, and this guy could have been greedy, but instead they just make him really unfortunate. Um, it's a and so they they move past it and they decide. All right, cool. Now is a time for us to, you know, display the the inherent problem of greed. And Caspian does a quick heel turn and is like, yo, whoever owned this island would be the richest person in the entirety of the world. No one talk about it. Everyone shut up. Don't even tell Drinian or I'll kill you. He goes dark real quick. He goes real dark. Like, like he's you like, can see the red flash in his eyes where he just says. All of you on penalty of death. On penalty of death. Like he goes, he goes from, I don't want, like, he's like, we should arrest Emperor Palpatine to I'm going to go kill some younglings really fast. Yeah, it does happen. Like within minutes, you know? And so he, he 
like Edmund's like, yo, who are you talking to? I'm not your subject. In fact, I am a king. You are, if anything, subject to the high king, Peter. Like, you have no room to address me here like this. And that's when Caspian puts his hand on his sword like a psycho. And they, like, start to square up. And Lucy's like, what is wrong with you guys? Like, this is, she's like, ugh, boys, boys are so stupid. Which, yes, boys are the only ones that can act rashly. And girls are the only one that can struggle with, you know, vanity. Yeah, uh, in how no woman has ever struggled with greed and power. Correct. Yes, uh, these are these are masculine sins, uh, and you know, feminine sins of comparison. Uh, you know, that's that's what we'll deal with later. Now, if there had been diamonds on the bottom of the lake, maybe Lucy would have been interested. If there was golden lipstick, you know, or a golden dress. I hope everyone listening knows. Disclaimer: We are joking. It's a <laughs> joke. We do not believe this, right? Yeah, it's it's, just a, it's yeah. a ridiculous thing, right? Uh, and this is one of the things is they have very, like, genderized issues that the, the characters will deal with in this story. Yeah, and, it's it's kind of annoying. What What's also annoying, Kel, the lion ex machina of, of it all. The literal deus ex machina? Where yeah. Because God where they just look up and see God on the hillside and they're like, Oh, maybe we shouldn't be bad anymore. And then it's like, he disappears and their problems are over. Like that is not a, that is not. Well, they literally don't learn their lesson because it's more or less implied that he wiped their memory. Kinda. I didn't, I didn't get that he wiped their memory. I think that they were so shaken by the fact that they almost turned against each other over gold and like realized the folly of their ways. I think that's what led to it, but like, they just kind of don't talk about, like, I kind of took it as like, they didn't talk because they were in shock. Well, there's a line like one, it says, what are, you know, what were we just talking about? Uh, I, I have the impression I was being a butt, right? Uh, but later it says, but in fact, they had not much to tell for the memory of the last hour had all become confused. Oh, yeah. Like I think Aslan right. more or less just confunds them that... with golden presence. So the lesson of this is... Don't go to this island. because Don't go to this island. <laughs> there, there is no room for Caspian to actually address or learn from his character flaw then. Correct. Yes. Like this is the learn from it, but he does not. That's even worse. That's even worse than them just like acting better because Aslan was watching. That is this is Aslan just being like, uh rewind. Yep. I'm not gonna deal with this problem today. Next chapter. Next chapter. And like Eustace learns from his mistake. Edmund learns from his mistake. Then for Caspian, it's just like, you're not a Pevensey. Uh, let's just ignore this, right? And you're just, deemed you're in charge. It's it's like he like picks certain things out of the memory where it's like, hey, remember that this king, this lord died here, so you shouldn't go back. And we'll call it death water. You may or may not know that the, the water turned him into gold but you at least know that he died here. Um, Man. Because Drinian and Rince, the first mate, are having a conversation where like, their majesties all seem a bit bewitched when they came aboard. Something happened to them in that place. The only thing I could get clear was that they think they found the body of one of these lords we were looking for. And then Rince says, you don't say so, Captain. Well, that's three, only four more. At this rate, we might be home soon after the new year. And a good thing, too, my backy is running a bit low. Good night, sir. So the only thing that they can get out of them is like one, the Lord that one of the Lords they were looking for probably dead. So that means they have now found three, two of them are dead. One of them is now a governor. So, you know, 33% good. Uh, and then, sats right now. And then two, baseball though, which apparently uh, Brent's played baseball in high school. Yeah. They found three of the seven Lords. So that means, uh, you know, uh, we've only got like six, you know, probably seven or eight more chapters of this book. We'll probably, you know, be sailing through to finding those. And a good thing too, because my tobacco is running low. So 
you yeah, know, Ben, ben like, played oh, baseball in high school. He he did. Probably did because you know he knows a good stat line when he sees one, and it's a failing stat line. Yeah, and two, probably chewing a little tobacco uh, as you do in high school baseball. Um, yeah, because it's super fun for teenagers to get addicted to a substance. Hey, why not? You know, they're already passing out alcohol in these books to children. So, oh, that's just how you clean the water in olden times, Kel. That's just called being British. Uh, but <laughs> we're just a European. Yeah, you don't understand, Chase. But they just, yeah, they just yada yada the fact that Aslan wiped their memories of greed. They don't learn a lesson. They're not like, like, they, I feel like what should have happened here is Lucy or someone steps in and goes, don't you realize what you're doing? This guy died because of his greed and you're about to make the same mistake. Like your greed will lead to you like dying. But that would require them listening to a girl, Cal. And everyone knows girls only know about a few things, shopping, clothes, um, makeup, makeup, um, you know, I don't know. Long hair. <laughs> yeah, it again, it just feels like a cop out. And it's one of those things where because he puts both the sea serpent, which I keep forgetting is in this chapter, and the golden water in the same chapter, he skates over both of them as actual harrowing adventure stories <laughs> and instead cuts right to like, oh, that's a thing that happened. Moving on. Yep. Because ultimately the most important thing because they just like skated through these adventures, the most important things that happened in this chapter were that they found a dead Lord and they got a boat for Reaper cheap. Yeah. Which like, I don't know. It's a children's book. He's trying to keep moving. The bummer is like, both of these are good ideas for an adventure. Really like, good ideas. If each of these had their own chapter or two to like really marinate, they would be really interesting. We could learn a lot. We could see character dynamics and development. Like it could be really cool. This becomes one. And he's just like hand waves over it. Like he does a lot of actual like story plot right. in his books. This becomes one of those things where, say, you have Eustace still as a dragon at this point. You can have the sea serpent be an actual battle, right? Sea serpent is obviously still probably much larger than Eustace as a dragon, but Eustace can do something as opposed to breaking his sword trying to stab the dragon, like or the sea serpent. And that so might even be an opportunity where, like, maybe Eustace and one of the like weird things that he does know about, like, remembered this thing and like his. <laughs> his previous character actually did come in handy because it wasn't all bad. He was just kind of a butt. Like, yeah. He, he could, you know, Fox versus the, the basilisk in the chamber of secrets. He yeah. couldn't find the sea serpent because, you know, again, he's probably the size of the sea serpent's head more or less. It. And so it's like, Hey, maybe he comes up and he blinds him. And like, after this, you know, battle where he gets wounded or like, he gets, you know, he gets hurt by the sea serpent, but like does some good. And people are like, wow, Eustace, you saved us there. It's like this, wow, Eustace is becoming heroic. He's becoming valiant. Or like him and Reepicheep work together to like he flies Reepicheep up to stab the, you know, monster's eyes out. And he, you know, like bites the sea serpent's neck. Like they have this epic battle and as opposed to just being like the sea serpent was stupid and he thought he killed it when it was really just a piece of wood. Uh, and then the, the greed scene spend more than a page addressing this huge idea of sin of greed. Like yeah. have it be the theme of the Island where it's like, as soon as you step on the Island, there's this, like this, hint of magic just like on dragon island that there is this something leading you to to temptation right which is the temptation is the great overarching theme of the book of like all of the characters are dealing with their own temptations temptation for comfort temptation for power temptation for greed temptation for compare like for vanity for beauty temptation for uh you know fill in the blank yeah, yeah. but deal with it 
yeah, you, you need to spend more than a paragraph on it. It really feels like C.S. Lewis, his approach to writing these books is just like whatever he's interested in describing, not yeah. the actual story. Yeah. And so that's why we end up getting just like overly detailed descriptions of water and looking out from the top of a mountain over the ocean and yeah. hiking up a hill and walking through the woods. Like these are things that C.S. Lewis, like as a writer enjoys describing. Yeah. And so those become the heart of what he does. And then occasionally he'll sprinkle in like his more poetic, like symbolism, Jesus stuff, which he is good at sometimes, but he doesn't actually do a great job of story. Like the actual like plot of the story so much as like he's good at like descriptive filler, which well, is like bummer because he's a really good writer. Like yeah. he has books that are really good story plot yeah. books. He creates, <laughs> yeah, he creates these incredible stories. Like I hope listeners that y'all hear, we have nothing wrong with the points of plot that he creates. They're incredible points of plot. Each book itself is like man we actually really enjoy where this story goes but he doesn't spend enough time on each really cool plot point line the witch in the wardrobe you know we talked about how they've been building up to this battle between the witch and the lion the whole time two of the three things mentioned in the chapter in the in the book title and then you don't even see it on screen you just he just goes yep and Aslan defeated the witch. No, show us that. Why, like, why, why rob the reader of this? Yeah. And in this one, you're, you're, you're ro like, these are great things. I love the idea of tackling temptation in an episodic manner and, and saying like, man, let's deal with all these different things that could be a lust for someone. Like that, that could be something that draws someone away from the quest that leads someone away from Aslan's country. And, and, and it's like, that's great deal. Like a, a, a pool that turns things to gold. Awesome. You know, yeah. you're in an odyssey like story, a sea serpent. That's a classic storytelling trope. I love it. You know, like deal with that and like have it be, you know, well played out yeah. as opposed to just being like, yep. And they defeated it and they made it through and they, you know, they saw the lake, but then Aslan poof, they're better. Like, spend time with the things that matter which is why we've we've mentioned this before we're excited for the tv show whenever it gets made the like because you can spend way more time with the things that matter um you can do you can take these amazing stories that c.s lewis did create but spend more time with them than he did and give them the drawn out justice that they deserve yeah, it it really does feel like missed opportunity more than just like complaints about the actual like overall story beats. And at the end of the day, they are children's books. So like we get that you're not going to dive into like super descriptive, like crazy detail on a lot of this stuff. It's just wishing that we spent time in the right places for what we came here for yeah it's it's tough but you know there there is still a lot of story to be told uh and as we mentioned he is a great writer who writes really good portions we just wish he had spent more time in the portions that he doesn't spend with um but chase would you like to dive further up and further in for us i would love to Cal. uh so for my further up and further in, I wanted to talk about this idea of greed as a flaw that C.S. Lewis is kind of narrowing in on. And so this is the second time in the book, really two, three chapters in a row, that, that gold and greed have been central to the temptation of one of our characters. So for Eustace, the gold of the dragon's hoard symbolized this desire to hoard and isolate and separate from any kind of relational support or greed or a need. 
So his was this kind of greed of independence, this desire to not need the other people on his trip. And so this wealth, this gold, this, this isolation was a way to achieve that. For Caspian here, the waters of wealth symbolize the power that riches bring, this ability to dominate and command through the wielding of wealth. And what is really interesting about this is like C.S. Lewis is showing off some of the wisdom in these nuances here. We have two stories in a row of characters being drawn into sin by money, by gold. Uh, but we see the differences in their characters and core desires and ultimately how that money could corrupt them in the ways that they respond to that wealth and access to wealth. And I, I heard recently someone say that, uh, everybody should become a millionaire to see what kind of person it makes them. Now, there, there's flaws with that premise. For one thing, not everyone has the opportunity to become a millionaire. Uh, it, it reveals a level of privilege to assume that there's just not barriers to becoming uh, super rich all of a sudden. Uh, but the point that they were making is that money is, is a magnifying glass. Like Wealth reveals the kind of person you are because it removes limits and it adds resources. Uh, and I don't know about you, Kel, but in, in my experience, the richest people I've known are often either the best people I know or the worst people I know, uh, because money reveals and magnifies the character or lack of character in a person's heart. It's, it's a magnifying glass. And that's why I think it is such a wise fatal flaw to use in showing both Caspian and Eustace's need for growth in this story as we've talked about, I wish that it did that more fully with Caspian. It kind of feels like he's still kind of this heroic figure that doesn't have a lot of flaws. And I wish that we got to explore that more in this chapter. Uh, but it does briefly reveal his dark side and ultimately where Aslan is calling him to something better by wiping his memory and not actually calling him to change. There you go. Love it. Yeah, I'm also going to be addressing this topic of greed, but again, in a different way. Uh, and, and in truth, for me, if you're ever reading a story where something just magically turns something to gold, I can't help but talk about King Midas, um, you know, the like the Midas touch, if you've ever heard of that. And I think in popular culture, we've this is this idea of like, oh, he's got the Midas touch. He, you know, everything he touches turns to gold. And it becomes this idea of like, that's a blessing. That's a great thing, but it's actually not in the mythology that it comes from. So uh, in this Greek uh, story, this Greek king named King Midas, uh, he does some acts of hero heroism and one of he asks one of the gods for a blessing. Uh, and that blessing is that everything he touches be turned to gold. And it starts off as this wonderful thing. He's turning rocks and pieces of wood into gold. And he's like, wow, this is going to be incredible. But then he goes to eat and realizes that he turns all of his food to gold. And uh, he begins realizing the folly of his greed. Uh, his desire was to have, you know, more and more and more. But it turns out that this, you know, the, the, the point of this myth is that his greed ultimately leads him to being able to not enjoy life. And it actually leads him to his death because when he can't eat, he leads to death by starvation. In other forms of the story, uh, he is, you know, going to console his daughter uh, of things that have happened and ends up turning his daughter into gold. Uh, he turns the people he loves into gold. What a lonely life this is. Um, and as Chase mentioned, you know, the, uh, the character flaw, uh, the fatal flaw of greed uh, in, in this story with Caspian uh, and Eustace and with King Midas, it is literally a fatal flaw. Whereas if it is if it is a greed left unchecked, it literally leads to death. There is the um, the the adage given by Jesus that the love of money is the root of all evil, right? And that if if this is if this greed is a sin, sin when fully you know uh, when fully expressed and uh, when it is full grown leads to death. And so it is this idea that. We, when we are, when you're, when one of your flaws is not just a weakness, but instead it is a literal sin, like greed, it literally will lead to death. Um, represented in stories by someone actually dying, obviously, in 
the context of Jesus and of sin, it's leading to an eternal, more important death. It can lead to a literal death like King Midas, and as Caspian would have found uh, as the, you know, the Lord who took a swan dive into a pool, that greed leads to literal death in this world, but it can lead to an actual everlasting death with sin, um, which is the ultimate theme of greed in these stories, uh, which uh, it's just an important trope in fiction. And as Chase said, it's one that we are a fan of using, of saying greed is an important motivating factor because it's one that all people from poor to rich can experience. Oh, I dropped this podcast into the water and now it's turned to gold. Oh, rich. But it's it's not like the kind of gold that you like. It's it's the kind of gold that it's it's heavy and it's out of reach. And well, I mean, I haven't quite figured out how to fish it out. I, I think if I uh, if I get a really long stick and I like kind of try oh, to scrape oh. it along the bottom, I might be able to get it to the you edge and just, like get my fingertips in. You, you just lost that stick. Dang it. Sorry. Uh, well, Chase, while you're trying to find some golden fishing line, uh, I'll tell you where uh, we can find uh, in uh, where listeners can help out this podcast and really turn it to gold uh, that is usable. Uh, the way that you can turn this podcast to gold and the gold that doesn't kill you is by rating us and reviewing us five stars wherever you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Audible, um, and uh, sharing it with your friends. Uh, we you know, would love to hear some feedback from y'all about how we're doing, what you'd like to hear, what are some of your favorite things that we have talked about, what are the things that you're looking forward to. Go follow us on Instagram at, at the Chronicles of Podcast. Uh, you can uh, keep up with uh, when we're posting and what we've posted. Um, but a quick aside, uh, by the time this podcast releases, uh, I will probably have had a baby by then which means we might be taking a small hiatus. Uh, it depends on when I can find time to record a podcast in between, you know, changing dirty diapers and sleeping. Um, oh, and all this podcast isn't more important that, to you than your child. No, Chase, it is not. Uh, I will, I will gladly let you know my child is more important unless I find a pool of gold. Uh, in <laughs> which case, sorry. Uh, I'm going to choose the pool of gold. Um, <laughs> Just kidding. It's good that we have that recorded. You know, uh, hopefully. I'll play that for him on his 18th birthday. He'll know. He'll know. He'll <laughs> tell uh, it to him every day. Yep. Uh, you're not a pool of gold, my son, uh, but you're something. Uh, He's not going to be sure what it means. You just say it all the time. Yep. Uh, but really, you know, that means he's not going to lead to my death. So it's good. good. It's a positive thing. Uh, But we might take a brief hiatus. We'll let you know when we're coming back. We'll try to give you, you know, a heads up on the, on the Instagram or something like that. When do expect us next? Um, We'll try to not, you know, make it too long, but no promises because I've never had a baby before and I have no idea what it's going to be like. That is fair. Absolutely fair. It is what it is, but uh, you know, uh, maybe you just won't even remember us having this conversation because Aslan confunded you. Uh, and you'll just be very curious why it's been a long time while we why we haven't you know posted a new podcast in a while. And if so, sorry about it. Have have a good baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, try, man. Uh, but, uh, I mean, less effort for you than Courtney, but. You're not wrong, my friend, which is, you know, thank God. I mean, you, you'll have plenty of other work to do over the coming weeks, months, years, and decades. That's what they say. It's not a I'm short not- commitment, having a baby. You know. I've, I've heard it's a good time, though. Once you get back to sleeping, I've heard it's real fun.